You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Ells, COO, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the tools, the resources, and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you're just starting out or have been in business for decades, listen in for exclusive tips and content to suit your needs. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. Today we are joined by Melissa Smith, the virtual assistant matchmaker. Melissa specializes in matching clients with the right virtual assistant who suits all of their needs. Welcome, Melissa. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Yes. So my background is in executive assisting. I was an executive assistant for over 15 years before I started virtual assisting. My mom was an assistant and I grew up knowing that that's what I was going to do. I went to secretary school and um, I was just doing living my best life and I loved it. I'm very fortunate. I've never had a job that I didn't love. And so I just assumed that everyone had jobs um, that they really loved as assistants because I always knew how valuable we are. And so then in 2012, my husband passed away suddenly and that ripple effect just you know, went throughout our entire family. We moved across country a few times uh, because we were living on one end of the coast and we had family on the other end of the coast. I mean, there was just so much up in the air. Uh, my son was in the middle of everything in, in the Midwest in college. And, uh, you know, the transition was just really rough. And so one day I knew I was going to be moving my daughter back again across the States. And I went to my employer and I said, I need to get my two weeks notice. And he said, we don't want to lose you. How can we keep you? And I said, well, I could do most of what I do virtually. I don't, I don't need to be here in the office. And he said, okay, let's do that. And so then I was working remotely for the company. I was their first remote employee and we had to sign contracts every year. And a few weeks later or a few months later, contracts were sent out. And by that time I'd already had this taste of freedom and flexibility and I was like, wow, I, I think I want more. I think I want it all now. And very naively, without a business plan or knowing what to do, <laughs> I sent that contract back unsigned. And I told them I would finish out my current contract, but that I was gonna start my own company. And they were super supportive and uh, wished me well. And I started my VA business that way. Uh, I like to say the first year is a joke I can only laugh about now because if you don't know what you're doing, uh, you can do a lot of things wrong. And I was probably doing everything wrong that you could imagine, but the only thing that was keeping me uh, alive, my head above water and what was, I had just so much freedom and flexibility that I wasn't willing to let it go. I was gonna put my foot down, dig my heels in and make it work any way that I could. I was doing a lot of networking, meeting a lot of clients or potential clients and telling them about virtual assistants, what we do and how we could help them. And at the end of the conversation, they'd always say, great, can I hire you? And I would say no. And they would look at me like I was crazy, but I would tell them, I'm just not that type of VA. And they would say, well, when, where does one find that type of VA? 
And I thought, gosh, I know tons of people. So I began making introductions like that. And like a year later, I just finally had this light bulb moment. And I thought, you know, I wonder if someone would pay me to do this. So I tried it and they did. And I thought, perfect, this is what I'm gonna do from now on. I wrote a bestseller on this subject. And so how I match is based on communication strategy and ideal client fit. Do you have, so I'm gonna move back just a little bit. Do you mm -hmm. have advice for anyone looking to start a remote company or in a remote role? What advice would you give for someone who's diving headfirst like you did and you know, not signing that contract or maybe is afraid to say, you know what, I wanna put in my two weeks notice. What kind of advice would you give our listeners? Get a coach get a coach there there is never a time in my business where i haven't been working with a coach or consultant and it doesn't matter how much you know surgeons don't do their own surgeries there's a reason that you have a business coach and the reason i say a business coach over any other advice is because the area of of coaching or advice that you will need is not one and done it's it, this is you know you're running your own business you're creating your own thing i i can't know what you're going to be lacking in we are going to all lack in something maybe it's mindset maybe it's business strategy maybe it's clientele maybe it's operations we all have our own zone of genius we can't be perfect and a genius at everything so your business coach is really going to come in there and nail down where it is that you can take your best and make your business better couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of people kind of overlook, especially when they're starting out or the entrepreneur, they take on everything, mm -hmm. right? And they, they, there's things that are going to be missed and, and fall through the cracks. So um, I think that that's perfect advice for our listeners. Yeah, I would say the number one reason that I hear people not wanting to hire someone is because they'll say, you know, I can't afford it. And I would tell them you can't afford not to. Those mistakes right. that you're going to make are expensive. And the time that it would take you to figure out is expensive. I can tell you that I did not have the money to hire a coach and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I knew I was already failing. Like I'm not going to figure it out on my own. I don't know what I don't know. And I recouped my uh, fee for the coach within a few months and that trajectory that it put me on, I never looked back. And I can honestly say that would have never happened. Never, ever, ever without that coach. So when someone comes to you for um, coaching advice, what advice do you have on improving their overall experience with a VA from a high level? Being honest. Um, you know, there are some clients who, and a lot of my clients are, they're ready to just say, I don't know what I don't know. Uh, I, I need someone to come in and, and really help me. I have other clients who are honest and they would say, I'm good. I have a hard time giving this up. I know that I'm not the best at it, but I have a hard time giving this up. And wherever they're at in their honesty, I can help you. I can help you and I can match you with the right VA who is gonna make that transition not painful. Not just less painful, but not painful. It will be exciting. I'd like to tell my clients, I don't. if you're not gonna be excited, then I don't wanna work with you. Like this is an exciting process, don't ruin it for yourself. But if they're not honest and you know they wanna throw up smoke and mirrors, then I can't help you. 
And I dig really deep because I have a 98% successful match rate. Most of my clients have been working with their VAs for four, five, six years now. So that's a really high retention rate. I'm not going to allow some client to come in and mess up my success rate or my retention rate. So I, I force them to get deep. You don't have to be the best client to get the best assistance if you're honest about it. And what I mean by that is I'll have clients come in and they will say, you know, I'm really difficult to work with. And like, okay, well, let's unpack that. What does difficult mean to you? And we unpack that. And what that really means is they have high standards. And until they know those standards are being met, they can't really relax. They can't really release the reins. And that I can work for. But the client who comes in and tells me they have such a great company and that everything is great and how great they're doing, but they're not willing to pay their people and they're a micromanager, you I cannot help. Um, <laughs> that I, I can I don't have an answer for. So we have to figure out what it is that can be done that's really great. And if it's not in the area where they originally expected to hire a VA to assist, then we let that area go and we find another area where it is better to work for them and they're not micromanaging. And that can only happen when they're honest. Do you stick with your clients throughout the process? So I know sometimes clients will have one trajectory, right? Even if they're completely honest upfront about their standards, what they're looking for, business shifts. Right. So if their business shifts and now the skill set is different, do you stay with them for if the VA then does not have the skill set for their new business shift or what help they're looking for? Or do they come back to you? How does that work? So when we're doing the matching, the only reason that we can have that retention piece be successful as well is because we're matching them for the greatest impact now as well as who's gonna be able to grow with them in the future. If you're constantly cycling through your virtual assistants, it's not a good fit. And for some people, that means that they are hiring a team right off the bat. Uh, but it's, it's not a, you know, we can't have someone who's constantly shifting and doesn't know like where they're, where they're going. So when, with my matches, I have a three month guarantee within the first three months, if it doesn't work out, I'll match them and get at no charge. Usually if someone's not going to work out, it's not going to work out within the first two weeks, but a two week, you know, uh, guarantee doesn't make anyone feel good. So, no, of course not. <laughs> you know, so I give them three months, but it's, that's never the case. Um, so the clients are, are there and they're managing that. Whenever I have a client come back to me and they want to hire another VA, it's because it's a completely different thing that they're hiring for, or they've grown their team and that VA just can't support that. And so that's something we know going in though. So for instance, uh, right now I have a few clients and they're hiring one VA to right now serve the team because right now what, what we're doing is putting in processes and systems that's most important they will support the other folks on the team but then eventually once those are done they're going to move into the role of working with just the one client and they will bring on another va to support other people on the team so we know that going in and they have that expectation there are just some things that you have to have more than one VA for. So like your bookkeeping VA is not going to be your marketing or social media VA. Those are two different people typically. I, I 
don't, I rarely <laughs> run into the same per person like that, right? You might have someone who is your operation side. You might need to bring on an OBM. You might need to bring on a DBM. Um, but these are all things that the client knows from the beginning that they're going to be down the road when they hire another person. So originally when we match, we are matching for the future. Do you have clients that come to you that are afraid because they, they think they're not great delegators? All the time, all the time. And I think that's why they come to me because I don't believe in delegation. I think delegation is work. So when I tell them that the measure of any true assistant, whether human or AI, is the ability to anticipate their needs and that they won't have to delegate, they are super pumped, super pumped. They are, <laughs> they are really, really excited. And so they're like, well, you know, then how does work get done? And I say, okay, you're a leader. You're a good manager. You're a good consultant. You're good at whatever you do. And the reason that you're good at it is because you've been able to set really good expectations in business with yourself and with your clients. Is that right? And they would say yes. And I would remind them that unmet expectations are the root of all disappointments. If you set the expectations of what you want with your VA and you understand what good looks like so you can share what good looks like, you have a good two-way communication of both what works and what's not working in real time, in real time, this, that's how you create that. That's how you create that ability for someone else to do their work, anticipate your needs so that they are looking three steps ahead while getting things done now and still having your back at the same time. I, I don't have time to delegate to my assistants. I, I need the person who's gonna be like, hey, I saw this was on your calendar. That doesn't make sense. Or you haven't completed this yet, or I'm, I'm waiting on this, or here, I see this wasn't done. I just went ahead and did it, here you go. It could be anything, but it's that anticipation of needs that I don't have to delegate that makes all the difference in the world. I, could, I couldn't agree more. And I think that a lot of CEOs maybe don't, don't know that or don't anticipate that they can find someone like that. So I think that's really great advice. Can you explain to our listeners what you feel not your average CEO means to you? you know, I think it's people who are, are shaking things up. And normally when we're shaking things up, it's not from the outside, it's on the inside. And so like a perfect example of that is I, I created a business that I could run away from. And for some people that is completely and totally crazy, right? Cause I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be so passionate about my business that it's like my baby and I like nurture it to death and, you know, smother it and all those other things. And, um, I, I, I just don't believe in that. I've done it. I didn't believe in doing it, but I still did it. <laughs> but that's not what I wanted. I wanted a business that I could run away from. And to me, that means that I'm not scaling in the way other people think that you should be scaling. That means my day doesn't look like someone else's day. That means my vacations are none of your business if I don't post them online to brag that I'm, you know, <laughs> taking a vacation. <laughs> it means that I'm just doing things my way without anyone else's input. And that is so hard. It is so hard to do nowadays 
because there's so much out there that says if you are successful, you better shout it from the rooftops. You should be telling everyone about it. Everyone should know everything. My life should be on display. And we're finally starting to see a shift where people are like, it's overwhelmed. And it's it's, yeah. it's hard. And this like comparison trap is, is terrible. And as the worst comparison trap is when you're comparing yourself to people who you don't even wanna be like, but yet you can't help yourself. And so, not your average CEO just means, you know, shaking things up and doing things different within your own industry, uh, within your own space. And, you know, if you want to be like everybody else, that's totally fine, too. Um, maybe you find comfort in that because you have your people and you have your your tribe. You don't want to be like the Lone Ranger or something, but it's just not being average. and. I, I really deeply feel that because as a middle child, uh, I've never felt like I fit in within my own family. I come from a very close, loving family. I mean, we talk all the time and we visit each other all the time. We're, we're constantly knowing what each other's doing, but I'm the only person in my family who is not good at math and science. My sister and my mother both excel at math and science as well as my father and my brother. And so when I was growing up, I didn't even know this thing until I became older that there was a the idea that women were not good at math and science. I had no idea because I grew up in a family that that was not the case. I just knew I wasn't good at math and science. And so I always just really felt different. And so it's never been easy for me. So when I, even when I started my matchmaking service, there was no other matchmakers at the time. I had no one to even want to copy if I tried. There were agency models, but I knew I didn't want an agency model. So you know, how do I, how do I do that? And over and over and over again, I had people tell me your business model sucks. It's never going to work. You don't have any recurring revenue. That's not sustainable. And I completely sometimes just rebelliously went against that. And I was able to do so because I had a coach, <laughs> but I went against that and I created something that was absolutely not average, but you know what, neither are my success rates and neither are my clients retention rates. I can relate to that in the opposite way, actually, Melissa. I uh, excel at math and science, and in my family, no one excels at math and science. And <laughs> I, I was looked at like, why? Why do you like science? You know, my my degree is in uh, atmospheric science and climate change. Oh wow! Um, but uh, and I happen to love business, and they can't. You know, a lot of my family can't wrap their head around why I like science and I have, you know, written a book and a textbook and all this stuff on science, but <laughs> I have a business aspect and I love operations and it, you know, no one else, especially the women in my family, no one works or works in business at the level I do. So I can completely, completely relate, um, you know, and empathize with how it feels to not be average. Uh, and I, but I think you, it, you explained it perfectly. Um, that just being you and not always comparing and not always looking and just doing what makes you happy is uh, great advice to our listeners. So I think a lot of them may be afraid if they're an outsider. Yeah, I think that's, you know, we, one of my uh, clients and, and friends, she really talks about authenticity and there's so much talk about showing up as authentic and 
the, the other side of that is she says the moment that you have to say this is the authentic me is the moment that you're not truly being authentic because our most true selves we don't even know what we're doing half the time we don't <laughs> they're just habits right and so i think when we default to what what makes us feel right and and i say that with a grain of salt because i love numbers i love data and statistics i and that may seem like well you just said you're not good at math and science that's true but i do believe in the 80 20 principle i do believe in chaos theory i do believe in numbers i'm a highly feeling person and feelings change all the time statistically i know that my feelings are going to change all the time that's why i use numbers not in a sense where i'm crunching them but i use numbers in a sense that there's a way for things to make sense there's a way things to make sense there's the numbers are going to balance out when you're putting them together right so when you're thinking about yourself and what is truly authentic to me and you're thinking about how can i run a business that's also authentic to me and my goals and my dreams so that i don't get sucked into what everyone else is doing i would encourage everyone to to write them down and to start not for any other reason than to start seeing things start really looking at yourself and and what's authentic to you because when you get to this new place in business that you've never been it's not like you can default on oh well what did i do last year what did i do you know when i was younger well you didn't have a business when you were younger maybe you know you weren't doing this last year this is all new area so how do you know to show up in those ways, well, you have to have that level of, of self-awareness. And there's nothing like running your own business to fast forward and create this trajectory of personal and professional development. Your professional development will limit you if you're not doing the same type of personal development. To wrap that in, do you have any last minute advice for our listeners that um, you could give maybe if you made some mistakes or how they could go about turning their mistakes into lessons, what advice would you give them if they're starting out and unsure, right? They're making mistakes. What, what should they do next? Wow. I've made so many mistakes. Where do I start? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we all really, do. we all do. Really. So, you know, I, I'll, what I will share is the last thing that I learned about one of the mistakes that I've made. And that is, is when you feel like you have failed, don't go at it alone. Don't try to unpack it alone. And so the example that I have is I have done two virtual summits in, in my career. The, the first one I went to very naively and it was more successful than I thought it would be. And then the second one I did, I went into it and I thought I was much smarter now. I had everything that I learned before, plus everything that I picked up. My, my list was bigger. I had uh, two books out now. I mean, it, the guests were better. I, everything in my mind was set up for the ultimate success. And it tanked. It, it tanked and I tucked that away and I just got on with business and life because I had other things that were going on and I didn't talk about it and I didn't unpack it. And a girlfriend of mine does, does launch trauma. And we had a, a conversation recently and she said, well, 
could you have flipped that around, right? You're talking about taking your failures or your flops and you flip those around and you could do this with anything. What good did come of it? And I had never stopped to ask myself that question. I had never stopped to ask myself that question. And any time that you make a mistake or you feel like you failed or you've done something wrong, you have to really unpack it. And sometimes you need help in order to do that, to say, what can I learn from this? What was a success? You know, that's how you, that's what they say, fail forward. It's not an accident when you fail forward. You have to figure out how you can take this flop, flip it around and then move forward from it. Do you have any concluding thoughts for our listeners um, before I ask you to tell them where they can find more about you? I would say embrace not being average. It, embrace it. I There are times when it's great to be above average. And there are times when, quote unquote, being below average is absolutely the thing to be. Because when you think about it, if you're below average, you, you find yourself in a really strong niche, right? Everyone else is doing something over here and you're doing something over here. And that's a really strong niche. When you think about how many Ritz hotels are, are two, two, there's more Ritz Carlton's, just two Ritz, um, one, you know, most famous. And that, that would be a below average, uh, hotel chain, right? <laughs> but above average, in everything else, everything else. So really, you know, challenge your perspective on what it means to be not average and make it work to your advantage. Thank you so much. Your advice has been, I, I think, ideal for our listeners. Can you tell them where they can find more about you? Yes, I live on LinkedIn if you wanna learn more about me or you have a chat there. So Melissa Smith, the PVA. My website is thepva.com. Uh, my email, which I answer all the time, is melissa at thepva.com. And then you can also check out the Association of Virtual Assistants at associationofvas.com. Thank you so much, Melissa. It was a pleasure, a true pleasure having you on our podcast today. Thank you, Nicole. It's been great. You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Els, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you would like to know more about the hosts or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information free virtual guide magazines, access to networking groups, and much more.